This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. As I told you on Twitter, I'm finally doing something about my weight and my health. I found a solution for weight loss, and it's Awaken 180. My friends in the media told me about Awaken 180. It's their go-to program to lose weight without killing yourself in the gym or taking any kind of medication. Just listen to the success stories. My boy, Kyle Draper, he dropped 30 pounds. Andy Grish dropped 105. And that's not it. Scott Zolak. Steve Logan, Dan Reeves, Dr. Laura R. Carmen, and add Cedric Maxwell to the list. It's only been about three weeks and I've already dropped about 15 pounds. Turn these trying times into a reason to get healthy like me. Call Awaken, receive the same one-on-one coaching I'm getting at home or on Skype. Also access 1,000 recipes and tools you need to weight loss from the company who has revolutionized the weight loss industry. Set up your first consultation today at awaken180weightloss.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Red Sox Beat. This is Josh Lewin, your host from the other coast, uh, sitting out here in Solana Beach, California, where things are starting to quiet down. What a crazy weekend, awful weekend. Uh, Maybe this will be archived and you're listening to this in 2023, for all I know. Uh, Boy, wouldn't it be nice if it was 2023 right now? But the weekend, uh, just for archival purposes, that just happened in America was eye-opening, scary, chaotic, horrible. Uh, uh, Race riots and uh, protests gone wrong. And uh, there are some good things that I'm sure can come out of it. I sure hope so. It's scary times. Coronavirus is, I mean, at at this recording, is now like the number two thing that, that everybody's talking about. So 2020 sucks just to biblical proportions. I'm not going to wear you out with that, that you're here to get away from it, and I'm here to provide. So uh, we're going to try to get to, in this episode, a little bit of prediction in terms of when we might see some baseball, when we might see the Red Sox out there at Fenway. Wasn't a great week or weekend for the Sox either. We're going to talk to Chris Smith momentarily from Mass Live. He's going to break down uh, the Red Sox kind of caving towards what a lot of teams are doing right now, which is saying, look, we're, you know, we're losing money, so you're going to lose money. We're going to start hacking some salaries here and releasing minor leaguers. And as always, I, I hope you guys don't think I'm a total Red Sox honk. I give the Red Sox benefit of the doubt all the time because I think that, that they, the Giants, 
the Phillies maybe. I mean, there, there's very few teams that seem to do almost everything right all the time. And the Red Sox are usually right at the head of that list. I, I just don't think they, they had a very good Friday with a news dump that showed that they're going to start cutting salaries. And I don't love the, the structure of how they did it. We'll get into that with Chris in a little bit. But I want to try to keep it uh, somewhat, I don't want to say positive, because again, uh, nothing super positive right now. But just uh, as of June 1st, the latest that you need to know. The players' proposal finally came back. They want a 114-game season. Would start at the end of June, would go to the end of October. That's probably not going to happen for a variety of reasons, but at least it seems like there's some some talk now, some back and forth. And, uh, you know, expanded playoffs for a couple of years. I dig that. That's fine. They're talking about a salary advance of $100 million to split among the players during spring training 2.0. Uh, they're, they're still talking about enhancing the season with microphones on the players and other broadcast enhancements. All of that would be fantastic. And uh, holding some other events like uh, off-season all-star games, plural, home run derbies. I mean, there's so many cool ways you can be generating goodwill and additional money. So they they need to find a way, right? I mean, the, the nuclear option is not an option. they got to understand how if you don't play – it might take years, if not decades, for some fans to forget all of this squabbling, the millionaires versus billionaires thing. And other sports are starting to come back or at least show that they know what they're doing in terms of coming back. So it's time to just kind of put a stamp on this and, and get get along, little doggy. I mean, let, let's have this at least. And, uh, you know, fans are understandably pissed off. The teams, uh, you know, again, the Red Sox are not the worst offenders here, but everybody's taking their sweet time servicing the customers to to get refunds to games that aren't being played you look at the a's not paying their minor leaguers the nationals quietly deciding to, to cut minor leaguers salaries from 400 bucks a week to 300 bucks a week those are, are not good optics gotta love the nationals players stepping up and basically saying f you to management like if all right you know if, if you're going to take a hundred dollars away from minor leaguers we'll pool our resources and come up with that 100 bucks a week for these 200 or so players. I mean, come on, you're Mark Lerner. You're worth $5 billion is kind of the least you can do. So, uh, again, we're, we're looking for good things. We're looking for shiny stuff in the rubble right now. And as uh, America just spins off its axis right now and the whole world seems to as well, I want to go back in time. This is a, a, a one fun thing I thought you guys would appreciate because uh, the, the nostalgia play, obviously, that's something that's kind of saving our butts right now. We, we think of things that happened way back when or even heck you know three or four months ago before coronavirus and because i'm recording this on june 1st that that's a day for me it's funny june 1st with the mets that's the day johan santana had the mets only ever no hitter and i missed it i was back in south lake texas my daughter was graduating from high school that evening so it was a a no-brainer. That's where I needed to be. You only have one chance to see your daughter walk across the stage, so I was there. But I just so happened to miss the Johan Santana no-hitter. That's baseball, Susan, as uh, our good friend John Sterling would say in New York. But for me, you know, I, I go back, and this is a, a fun anniversary for me. It is a 24-year a anniversary of something else entirely. It's when I got to be a Major League Baseball announcer. The Fox Network was hiring young guys to uh, to roll out their new Game of the Week coverage. And me and Ken Singleton were a team 
for the first couple years. They started mixing me up. I worked with Psycho Lions for a while and would sub in with McCarver. And I, boy, you know, I had some great partners. I had George Brett. I had Frank Robinson. It was just amazing. And the very first assignment I got, June 1st, 1996, so this is a 24-year anniversary today, my assignment was Red Sox at Seattle. And the, the Red Sox, it, you know, let's go back. In 95, they were coming off, I thought, a very interesting season. That was the year Tim Wakefield started 14-1, and and Wakefield was going to be on the mound for this game. I'm going to get you through that lineup in a minute. But uh, that was the best of five uh, against Cleveland, where in game one, Nehring hit the, the go-ahead home run in the 11th, but then Albert Bell hit the, the big shot off Rick Aguilera in the bottom of the inning. You had the Tony Pena walk-off against Zane Smith. So, you know, the, the Sox ended up getting swept in the 95 playoffs with Conseco taking an 0 for 13, I think it was. Mo Vaughn was 0 for 14. And at that point, the Sox had lost 11 postseason games in a row. It wasn't fun. So on into 96, and this was before the Jimmy Williams era began. Uh, this was really as Nomar was coming into his own. It, it was a fun time for the Red Sox, and I wasn't a part of it yet. I, you know, I, I had nothing to do with it. I was working in Baltimore at the time. But for what it's worth, on June 1st of 1996, here's I found this on YouTube. Here's the whip around. It was Joe Buck and Tim McCarver were doing a game at Shea Stadium. Uh, and, and the backup game was me and Ken Singleton doing Red Sox at Seattle. So take a listen to the throw here. We are getting ready to roll an opening day of Major League Baseball on Fox here at Shea. Now we send you across the country to the great northwest to Seattle, Josh Lewin and Ken Singleton. All right, thanks, guys. Here at the Kingdom last night, there were a couple of scary moments. They involved two of the bigger names in baseball. Let's start with Mo Vaughn, last year's MVP. Mo was hit by a pitch last night in the ballgame. Just happened to follow that bat in which he hit a home run. Kind of a coincidence, huh? Well, Mo hangs over the plate. He understands this could happen. He's okay. He's in there today. Ken Griffey Jr. in center field into the wall, chasing down a shot last night just about a year ago into the very same wall here at the Kingdom. Broke his wrist, 73 games out for the season. Thankfully, Griffey and Vaughn good to go today. The Stars are out indoors for the Mariners and the Red Sox. Let's go back to Chip Carey now in Hollywood. Yeah, Chip Carey was at the anchor desk. And, and please don't look for this on YouTube because I can't believe I ever looked like this. I had like these uh, Miles from Murphy Brown round glasses on. Worst haircut ever. I had this red patterned tie, a blazer that didn't fit. I mean, it was it was awful. Now, in, in a small lukewarm defense of myself i was i think 27 years old and didn't really know how to dress yet but uh kudos to ken singleton he carried me through that first broadcast june 1st 1996 boston red sox at seattle mariners box score and the red sox came into that game uh 22 and 31 taking on a 28 and 25 mariners team at the kingdom and the very first thing i got to announce in the major leagues was dwayne hosey Stepping into the batter's box against Bob Malacki. That that was my debut. Jose followed in the lineup by John Ballantin and Mo Vaughn. Jose Canseco DH'd, narrowing at third, Stanley catching. Jose Malave in right field. You guys remember Jose Malave? Bill Selby at second base. And Milt Kyler was the center fielder, hitting a robust 206. Now, I don't know if anybody remembers this game at all, remembers how Fox came on the air and debuted but our big thing was miking up the players which ironically we're talking about right now as a way to try to get everybody interested in baseball again more miking at the players 
that had never happened before. Nobody had ever mic'd players before. We were the first to do it. And it wasn't players yet. The only thing that we were given permission to do was to mic a pitching coach. That's what we had going on. So uh, the, the very first thing that America got to hear, and I was so honored to be a part of this because we went first, essentially, uh, the, the very first time they played back live video, and it was great, is that they came out to talk to Bob Malacky in the top of the fifth inning with Mo Vaughn about to bat. And they talked about how do you pitch Malacky, or how, do you, how does Malacky pitch to Mo Vaughn? You know, do you pitch around him? Uh, are, you know, are, are you tired? Do we go to the bullpen? Because they, they had, I think it was, I think it was Lee Guterman was, was warming in the bullpen at that point. But no, they decide, let, let's go at him. Anyway, Mo Vaughn hits one to the upper tank at the Kingdom. Three-run home run, just this mammoth, I'm guessing 440-foot home run. Just, uh, I mean, just killed it. And because we had the audio of them talking about, ah, the hell with it, let's pitch to Mo Vaughn, it was kind of lionized for a day and a half. Everybody around the country was like, wow, you know, that was really cool that you can kind of listen right in on that. And, and, you know, in almost real time, you can can hear how Bob Malacky just got lit. So uh, the Red Sox went on to win that game 6-5 to five, if you're scoring at home. Heathcliff Slocum got the save in that game as Tim Wakefield got the win. That was my first. I, I will always remember it. And when we talk to Chris Smith in just a bit, I'm going to quiz him about his first Major League ball game as well. See, it's fun now to just go off topic. That's what we've got to do to, to keep our sanity. Our good friends at Bet Online, they're doing the exact same thing, right? I mean, because there's no real live sporting events that, that we, we super care about yet. I mean, if you're into the Bundesliga, that's great because German soccer is back and that's fantastic. But the, the Bet Online people, they're amazing. They, they figure we're going to make sure there's no shortage of action going on at all. NASCAR is back, so they got that. Bet Online has hundreds of games that they've found, events and sports to, to still get your bet on here. You can bet on simulated NFL, NBA, UFC. There's a $10,000 Madden bracket challenge. And uh, Bet Online, I hope you guys saw this. They, they've got the, the former Bulls. They've got Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, Craig Hodges joining them to talk about the Michael Jordan documentary, what they're calling the final dance. So uh, go to the website. You can find out about all that stuff or use your mobile device. Join today to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. Bet online, your online wagering solution. And that web address you need to know, it's betonline.ag. All right, without any further ado, since we've kind of rolled through the latest of the, uh, the sad nonsense and we've given you a little bit of a throwback to happier times. Let's go forward. Let's talk to Chris Smith. Well, as promised, Chris Smith will join us here as we continue to kind of bop around from writer to writer and try to get everybody involved here in the Red Sox uh, family. You know, we've talked to so many different people already. I've only had this assignment doing Sox Beat for, I guess it's 12 or 13 weeks now. And I'm embarrassed to say that Smitty is uh, down in the order here. He's, he's certainly worthy <laughs> of batting meat of the order here. If you followed his work on Mass Live, you'll know he's a great writer. Chris Cotillo, who I took this podcast over from, obviously is a Mass Live guy too, and they share the beat. So, uh, Smitty, thank you so much for joining us. And, and I ask everybody off the top, I mean, this is just kind of the new normal in 2020. How are you holding up? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, uh, Alex Spear actually... Uh, 
um, wrote me a message on Twitter, uh, you know, how are you doing and everything? And he said, yeah, you know, it, it stinks that there's no season right now, but it's actually nice that I'm getting the chance to see some of the milestones of my, you know, new child who's now nine months old, going to be 10 months old in a week. And so, like, you know, he told me, oh, take the positives. You're, you know, you're not, you wouldn't have gotten this chance to, you know, see your kids so much if, <laughs> if the season was happening in, in, in her first year. So it's been pretty cool. She, she stood up and walked and everything at nine months. So I wouldn't have been able to probably see, I wouldn't have seen those first unless uh, there was the coronavirus. So I'm taking some positives out of it, but I am a little bit bored to death and wish I could yeah. cover in baseball. Well, and towards that end, I mean, we're basically recording this on, on a Monday, and I'm not sure when people are going to be actually listening to it. But coming out of the weekend, and, and you did a little stop down on it, the Buster only actually had a, uh, a big piece talking about how there are thoughts out there that there's kind of a hawkish group of owners that are totally willing to just shut the season down, just slash payroll costs and reduce losses and just say the hell with it. And already we've been seeing a little of this reflected in the decisions to, to fire and furlough. So there's not a lot of positive out there right now. Is this posturing or, or do you really think we're in some, some major danger here? Yeah, I think that there is, you know, significant, significantly a good chance that there won't be a season. And, um, you know, I just think that, you know, both sides, it's, it's, I was saying this to somebody the other day, I was like, you know, you look at the NBA and the NHL and their returns, those, those guys already played, you know, the almost the entire season. I mean, they were just a month or a few weeks away from their playoffs. And so all those guys, all those NHL players, all those uh, NBA players earned the majority of their 2019, 2020 salaries, um, you know, this year's salary. Uh, so if they go to the playoffs, straight to the playoffs, they're not losing as much money as the baseball players. Um, this is, is a huge money with ba- it's a huge issue with baseball players. This money aspect, um, you know, they originally agreed on the prorated salaries. Now that they want to cut cut them down even more, and um, you know, I just don't think the ba- <laughs> from everything that I heard from baseball players, they will not be motivated to play and to risk their health. If, you know, they're they're being docked more pay. So um, it will hurt baseball big time if, if they miss this year. Um, but, you know, I don't think that the players think that way. I don't think the owners think that way. And it's, it's a shame that they don't. You know, normally we talk about how the Red Sox seem to be at the forefront of doing things right. And that took a little bit of a hit even on the day they had Dropkick Murphys at Fenway because, even though they've avoided layoffs and furloughs, they made a bunch of salary cuts. Anybody making 50 grand or more, I think some people were rankled that the sliding scale wasn't really that huge. I mean, if you're making $50,010, it's not that much different of a cut from somebody making a million dollars in that mm-hmm. front office. So uh, how are you with, with all that? Because that's really the first time since I've been around the Red Sox that my eyebrows shot up like, oh, wait a minute, are they really doing the right thing here? Yeah. So, um, you know, I think the right thing would have been if you do, if you are in a money crunch, if you're John Henry and the Red Sox ownership group, I think the right thing there would have been to furlough uh, instead of reduce salaries, because, you know, with the money, with the amount of money, the CARES Act and all that that's happening right now, um, you're making just as much money, maybe even more money if you're out furloughed for a week or two weeks or three weeks. 
Um, then if you're, you know, if your salary's reduced, obviously, um, you know, that's a hit for a person that, that, you know, a young kid that's maybe in the, and I haven't talked to anybody that's in the PR department or anything about it, but just say, you know, they're making 50,000, they're trying to live in Boston. It's hard enough to live in Boston, you know, making 50,000 and, you know, now their salary's reduced to, you know, whatever it is. So it's like, if I was the Red Sox, I would have thought that more employees would have probably wanted a furlough, but you know, they're, they're now, you know, um, taking less money and, and still working and doing, doing, you know, as, um, as much as they're expected to do. So yeah, it's a difficult situation and, um, you know, we're seeing teams throughout the league doing it and I understand why, um, you know, uh, mass live, it put, uh, did furloughs, um, for a week, everybody did a furlough, a, a bunch of media companies are doing it. I mean, you know, if, if your business is losing, you know, advertisement or other th- or just, you know, sales, if, if it's a store, uh, I mean, if it's a restaurant and stuff, I mean, it's, it's difficult. So you have to do something. Um, I just think that furloughs would have been better in this situation for some of these people instead of having to force them to give up all their, you know, to give up some of their salaries, a large percentage. Yeah. And, you know, as much as I want to kind of swing you towards some positive talk here, I, I really am big on that with all that's going on in the world right now. But uh, I'm looking around and just on the subject of nickel and diming, I'm looking at the nationals. You talk about, you know, things that you, you could have done a little differently. Total news dump, right? I mean, on a Friday afternoon with every city in the country basically burning with race riots, that's when they basically decide, well, let's announce it now that we're going to take everybody in the minor leagues from 400 a week down, or excuse me, 400 a month down to, to 300. And I'm, I'm thinking, wait, I, I don't know if you can nickel and dime worse than that. I mean, wh- why would you want to save a hundred bucks? What, what's, what's the, the use of that? I mean, especially a week ago, you showed everybody those big glitzy world series rings that cost a bajillion dollars. What, what are we doing here? That's ridiculous. It really is. I mean, in, in, you know, I mean, how much does that really, as you said, how much does that really even save in the long run? And what does that tell your minor leaguers who you're trying to, you know, that you're hoping will help you out in the major leagues, obviously. I mean, I, I talked to Josh Ockamy, who's on the Red Sox, um, you know, one of the Red Sox minor leaguers, he's not on their 40 man roster. And, you know, he, he, um, you know, he flew home after the camp or after um, spring training was suspended. And, you know, he didn't even go to see his mother on her birthday because, you know, he was afraid of, you know, potentially giving her something that he may have picked up, you know, on the trip home. He didn't, obviously. But, uh, you know, he was thinking about that initially. And, um, you know, but but at the same time, he's thinking to himself, well, you know, should, should I, he actually looked into Uber Eats, like if he could deliver meals. And he said to me, he's like, you know, well, I'm risking my own health in that situation. And he understands that, but these, these minor leaguers, I mean, there's so many minor leaguers that have to work jobs in the off season because they only, and he's one of them. I mean, he rides Uber in the off season or Lyft, one of the two in the off season. And there's so many guys that, that, you know, they don't get the big bonuses, they get the thousand dollar bonus, and then they have to work until they make a 40 man roster. And so to even, you know, to, to, you know, they're making minimal salaries anyway, and then to reduce them even more like that, that's ridiculous. So, um, you know, like with the Nakami, um, 
and I'm just using this reference because I talked with him, you know, it's like, well, you know, he, he looked in Uber Eats and, you know, there wasn't any available opportunities to do it. So he, from the last time I talked to him, he's not working. But, you know, I mean, you want your guys to stay healthy too, right? You know, you don't want them working, I would think, if you're the Red Sox or if you're another team. So, yeah, it's a difficult situation for the minor leaguers. And, uh, but it's, it's, for a lot of them, it's, it's just life. And meantime, and it's funny that to, to try to turn this back towards the positive, I'm going to invoke the name of David Price. But David Price, who didn't have a great reputation all the time in Boston, obviously we can you know get into that some other time if you want to, but he, he gives $1,000 each to the 222 minor leaguers in the Dodgers system. Guy hasn't even played for the Dodgers yet. I mean, he just arrives there and basically says, well, this is, this is BS that you guys aren't getting paid. So here, here's $1,000 to each of you. That, my friend, is impressive. Yeah, you know, I um, I got to know David pretty well when he was in Boston um, after <laughs> after the year that he didn't really talk to the uh, media. I think, what was that? That was in 2017. And then 2018, he, you know, he said to us at, during the media availability at the beginning, he said, you know, I'll talk to anybody one-on-one. We'll put last year in the past. And um, so I got to know David over the final two years that he was with the Red Sox. And I think a lot of, um, you know, a lot of with him was just, um, you know, I mean, he, he's an emotional guy. And he said some things that he, he wishes he didn't say at times. And he did some things he wishes he didn't do, you know, certain fights that he had with with your with Drellick, who was on the podcast. And I, I love Drellick, too. Um and, you know, and so, um, and with Dennis Eckersley. So I, I think he just got emotional and he, and he you know, I kind of see my, sometimes I used to do that as a younger guy. You know, I would, I would, you know, get, I would, uh, somebody would say something to me and I would just get emotional and, and, you know, start a fight when fight, a fight didn't need to be done. But what I saw with David was, is that, you know, he was the type of guy that would, you know, send a note to a to a um, to a, a rookie that he pitched against him, and you know was making his major league debut. You know, a note, and no one would know that he did it, or you know something. He was always there for the younger guys, and so and right. his teammates really like him. And so I think there's a whole other side of, of David that people unfortunately didn't get to know as much in Boston. Um, he ended up doing what he was, what he signed to do, <laughs> winning a World Series. And I think that now he's more relaxed in, in um, Los Angeles. There's less media. There's less media scrutiny. And, you know, he's won his championship with Boston. And I think he's going to relax and he's going to be the David Price that we saw from, you know, the Tampa Bay Rays organization and prior to coming with the Red Sox where he's just more comfortable. And, and people, you know, we'll see, we'll see the good, you know, the good in him. And there is a lot of good in him. I'm going to get you kind of on that topic from David Price to a guy about a quarter of a century ago now that I think falls into that same scope in Mo Vaughn. And in in a weird way, the thing I've got to do in between talking about David and Mo is uh, talk to everybody very quickly about a subject that is not uh, always comfortable to talk about. And and if you want to put your earmuffs on, Chris, during this, that's fine. But uh, erectile dysfunction is not an easy topic. I get it. And usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, I had a long day at work, or uh, sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it, whatever it is. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it with a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, it's safe, it's totally discreet. 
And with Roman, you can get a free online evaluation, ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor works with you to find the best treatment plan. And if medication is appropriate, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't, Roman ships it to you free. Two-day shipping. We'll get it there to you. The whole process very straightforward and simple and discreet. So just go to GetRoman.com slash socks to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash socks for the free visit to get started. Roman, I'm sorry, GetRoman.com slash socks. Okay, so that stated, for me, Mo Vaughn was the guy that, that you were just describing uh, as David Price. I mean, a guy that was sometimes, I think, misunderstood, could sometimes come off as blustery or inaccessible or whatever. I always found him, and we're talking again 24, 25 years ago, is just a really interesting interview. It had a lot to say, educated guy, Seton Hall, Seton Hall prep, all that. Uh, did you get to know Mo at all? I know that was so before your time. I mean, you're only, what, 26, 27 years old, I'm, I'm thinking? Am I in the ballpark? No, actually, I'm I'm 35. Are but, you that old? Uh, you, you look like <laughs> 20, so, I mean, that's why well, I guess. thank you. Thank all you. Right, so, so, <laughs> You, but you no, did. I actually never met Mo. Mo was, um, but you know, it's it's funny because I, you know, I grew up watching Mo Vaughn, and you know, I remember that game that you know he hit the, the I think it was a grand slam. I was, uh, I was, I was. Yeah, that was nineteen ninety eight. I think the, on opening day where he hit the grand slam to win it in that big comeback. I don't know if it was a grand slam or a three or homer, but um, Mo Vaughn was one of my favorite players growing up as a kid. You know, I, I remember going to. I went to a book signing that he was at and he signed one of my books and, but I didn't get to know him. I, you know, I started covering the team in 2010. I did, I've never met Mo actually, but from what um, the guys that cover the team that Mo Vaughn was on um, that are still there, they say that they really liked him a lot. And um, I know Ian Brown, he had recently um, did a, did a from MLB.com and recently talked to Mo for a story and said Mo was great. He was like that. That was that was an awesome interview. He was a great guy. So I really haven't had any um, you know conversations with him at all. Um, but from all I've heard from the media the, and the guys that cover him, they they really liked him. So I was just talking about Mo before you came on the air about how he was pretty much the star of the game in my first ever. Uh, big-time assignments. I had Red Sox and Mariners for Fox on this date back in 1996, and he's the guy that hit the big home run off Bob Malacky. So my question for you is, because this is kind of the topic du jour to get our minds off of all the other nonsense and, and chaos and horror out there, is what do you remember about your first game uh, that you were assigned to in the major leagues? Yeah, so, um, you know, I... I I originally, well, I, I originally, after I went to Syracuse, worked in Missouri for a couple of years as a high school um, reporter. I covered, you know, 60, um, it was probably like 21 high schools or something. And I ended up coming back to this area and, and getting a job with the Eagle Tribune. Now, um, I had always wanted to cover the Red Sox when I was growing up. I was like 162, you know, a year game guy. I would, you know, if we were, if my parents and us were at a, uh, you know, at a family party or something, I would somehow sneak out with the keys to my dad's car and, and listen to the game on, on the, on the radio. And so, um, I, I was always a, you know, baseball was always, I played, you know, different sports growing up. I played football in high school. 
but baseball was always my number one. And I always thought that that was, yeah, I always wanted to cover the Red Sox, but you know, um, you learn that those opportunities aren't, aren't easy to come by, uh, at all. Um, when you go through journalism school and afterwards and you're, you know, one of a hundred people applying for a, a job as a high school sports reporter. So I was pretty content that I would never, you know, that I was never going to cover pro sports. Um, when I came back to the Eagle Tribune, it was basically a high school job. You know, they said you can, you know, occasionally cover some pro sports or whatnot. Um, but it was basically high school. And they sent me on um, opening day 2010. It was Easter, Josh Beckett against CC Sabathia on a Sunday night game. And, um, you know, I was I was psyched because, you know, I, I didn't think I would ever have that opportunity, um, you know, to cover the Red Sox. And, you know, it was the first time, it was only the second professional game I had ever covered. I covered one um, St. Louis Rams game against the Seattle Seahawks in Missouri, but that was it. So it was only the second professional game that I had ever covered, and I was psyched. But I woke up that morning, and I was, like, deathly ill. <laughs> I was so sick. It wasn't even funny. I was throwing up like crazy. And it was actually funny because I, um, I went uh, – I went to my parents. It was it was Easter. It was uh, Easter 2010. That was the opening day, um, and at Fenway, or it was actually the opener for the year, and um, and so anyway, I was driving down to my family's house and for um, Easter dinner before I went to the game. An early you know Easter dinner, probably like two in the afternoon for the before the eight o'clock game, and I threw up in the console of the car in the that highway that's awesome stuck in traffic and um you know and, and i went I, I pulled into my parents driveway and i said i'm sick as a dog uh i'm gonna go upstairs and try to sleep this off so i can cover the game and um <laughs> and my father went out and cleaned the car <laughs> did a nice interior of my car and everything and and uh, so there you go for fathers. Uh, I got a good one. <laughs> it's a lovely so, memory. Well, yeah, it's well, well. So, well, so like I, I, I was sleeping it off, and, and I woke up and I got a, a phone call from um, was Bill Burt, who's who's is the editor at the Eagle Tribune, and he was supposed to meet me at the game, and you know help me out, you know show me around where the clubhouse is, you know how to get to the interview room and stuff like that. I, I woke up. And I get a message from him, and he's like, "I'm I can't go to the game tonight. I'm 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 sick as a dog." <laughs> so, so he was sick. So I was I didn't tell him that I was sick. I just said, "Oh, well, no one's going to go to the game then, so I have to go to the game." So I just went to the game. My father drove me. I couldn't even drive. I was so sick, and my father drove me. And it ended up being one of the hardest nights of my life. I didn't write anything good, I don't think, and I never wanted to go back, but. Uh, Bill Burt had said to me a week later, he goes, you know, you got to go back. Um, Carlos Pena is coming into town and he's from Haverhill and we want you to do a story on him. And I went back that next time thinking I'd never go back again. I did the story with Carlos Pena one-on-one. I had a blast and that, the, the rest is history. I, I did never not want to go back to Fenway after that. And, you know, 2010, I, I don't remember Josh Beckett throwing up much, but I know that's the year he hurt his back and only won, I think it was six games. Lowell had hip surgery, and uh, 
What, Pedroia fouled the ball off? Pedro- yeah, he was out for – he. yeah, him and Euclid, I think, both were out for – I think well, they missed – it yeah. was, yeah, I remember it was, I think it was in San Francisco late June. It all happened almost at once. Pedroia fouled that ball off his foot. Buckhole strained the hamstring, running the bases. Victor yeah. Martinez broke his finger, getting hit by a foul tip. So he had three major injuries in one series, which basically torpedoed the whole season. And we didn't even know that Chris Smith was throwing up in a car. So <laughs> now, now we get the full story. So, you know, one quick tie-in to, to 2010. I didn't really mean to go here because, yeah, I mean, yeah, nothing's as awful as 2020. But 2010 at least, you know, kind of makes the medal stand. Because Theo had called that the bridge year, right, heading in, meaning mm-hmm. the real stuff is ahead in 11 and 12. But the thought was always the bridge that was built would be strong enough to compete for a pennant. And, yeah, again, you know, mainly due to injuries, it just simply wasn't. But I'm wondering, had 2020 come off, without our, our good friend coronavirus and, and everything else going on. Would this have been a bridge year, in your opinion, Chris? I mean, could could the, the Red Sox, had they stayed healthy, built that bridge without Chris Sale and without, I mean, there's a lot that they were going to have to deal with this year. What kind of year do you think it would have been? Yeah, I think it would have been a, um, you know, it's interesting. Um, I looked, you know, if, if they were to have had Chris Sale, I would have put them as as a potential, you know, playoff team. But without Chris Sale, when he went down with the Tommy John surgery, if the season was still to go on as scheduled at that point, 162 games, um, I just see them as maybe a you know an 80 win team at the most. Um, I do. I have always said that um, you know Heim Bloom is very creative with his rosters, and um, you know, he's, his roster is always fluid. He's always trying to get improve everything. So it would have been interesting to see how he, you know, dealt with such pitch, pitching deficiency, uh, starting pitching deficiency, and, you know, and was creative in ways and transactions that he made because he was known for making transactions, obviously, in Tampa Bay. And, um, you know, so I, I, you know, I, it's very, it's difficult for me to really predict because, um, because I don't know how Bloom would have handled the roster. I know that he did some creative things in Tampa Bay to get, you know, him and him and the other guys did some creative things in Tampa Bay to get that roster, the most, you know, ability out of their roster. And so I was actually looking forward to that. I mean, you know, but, but at the end of the day, you, the Red Sox would have gone in there with, you know, Colin McHugh wouldn't have been ready. And Ryan Weber was, you know, in that rotation. And yeah, he looked good in spring training, but, you know, he's more of a, a long reliever in his career. And so, um, you know, it would have been, I just don't think that they would have had the starting pitching to win more than 80 games. And yeah, it would have been a bridge year. And, you know, trading off Mookie Betts and trading away David Price will leave some salary so that they would have, that, in that bridge year fashion, they would have had money to spend um, this coming off season. And I've always thought that they were going to go for George Springer this coming off season. I don't know now though. Um, it's very difficult to predict, um, you know, how things change now, you know, the economic climate is, is so impacted by coronavirus. Yeah, no kidding. Well, and, and I hate the coronavirus is the last thing that you and I mentioned before we say goodbye. I just want to thank you, Smitty, for, for taking time. And the next time we have Jan, obviously, hopefully the season is actually underway in some form. Uh, this is such a one-off for everybody on everything. It's almost like this whole 
exercise of, of 2020 should just be packed off in parentheses and we just, you know, years from now we look back and just try to fast forward past it. But whatever happens, I hope you continue to stay safe. I hope you don't throw up anymore. I'm glad that's in your <laughs> Enjoy hopefully that. I didn't discuss the. No, no, no. I, I didn't discuss everybody with my uh, stories, but you know, it is a pretty good story on a first game. <laughs> no, of I mean, it wasn't even nerves. It was an actual like gastro. It was not nerves. It was really sick. That's uh, kind of impressive in a weird way. But anyway, <laughs> thanks again to Chris Smith, and you can always catch him uh, in his work at, at MassLive.com. Smitty on MLB, that is the, the Twitter handle. Is that correct? I'm doing that by memory. Uh, yes, Smitty on MLB, yes, Twitter. Oh, that's easy. Mine, by the way, is Josh Lewin stuff. If you want to follow me, you're welcome to. Our good friend Dave O'Brien will join the broadcast or the podcast, excuse me, next week. So please do tune in for that. And maybe we'll have some good news about actual baseball in 2020 by then. Thanks to Chris Smith. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. This is Sox Beat. Thanks to CLNS. <laughs>